Once upon a time, there was a business that was started by a visionary. The heartbeat of this business was to help nonprofits free up money so they could further their organization's mission. The visionary leveraged his 20 years of business connections to strike up a partnership with Microsoft. This gave the visionary access to massively discounted licensing. The catch? Only 501c3 nonprofits could access this discounting. And with that, the visionary launched the charity pricing structure with Microsoft. Over the years, tens of thousands of nonprofits saved hundreds of millions of dollars through the discounted offerings of this small business. Now, the business grew, but so did the questions about other quality discounted IT programs because they were trusted in the industry. Eventually, this small business expanded into offering things like computers and servers and security appliances. They also began gaining traction with for-profit organizations as customers because as it turns out, the problems with limited budget and IT don't just stick with nonprofits. It's the same regardless of what your tax code looks like. Over 20 years in, and the visionary's son takes the helm as owner. He's passionate like his dad, but also sees how the industry is changing yet again. The future of the company looks to be dependent upon things like cloud computing, data security, and outsourced IT services. But there's a catch. A leadership gap exists. And unless that gap is bridged with the right leader, it seems to be only a matter of time before the company is obsolete. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode highlights the direct correlation between having the right leader in place and realizing organizational growth. The intro is CCB Technology's story, historical success meeting future opportunity. Logan McCoy joins me today on the podcast. He is the person who was put in a position to bridge that gap between CCB's past and future, or crumble under pressure. And as you'll hear, there really wasn't another option. So let's jump into it with Logan talking about his unlikely start at CCB. Currently, I'm the vice president of services, which just more or less means that I oversee both our professional services side of the house, so kind of project-based type work, and then I also oversee our managed services team that does 24 by 7 support, both from an infrastructure, IT side, but then also from a help desk perspective. So I'm responsible for overseeing everything in that technical engineering team from casting vision to providing leadership guidance, all that kind of good stuff. How long have you been at CCB? So it's 07, so it'll be 14 years then in June, end of June. So most people listening in won't know the story, but I think it sheds light on you as a person. So how'd you end up at CCB? It's a crazy thing, honestly, how I ended up at CCB. I uh, came up to Wisconsin. I'm originally from Illinois and came up to go to Carthage College. And I had no intention of staying in the Midwest once I graduated. I had planned to be a missionary, actually. Was going to go do overseas missions in Haiti. So I'd come to Carthage because they have an international political economy degree. And I thought, well... Political gonna... economy? Yeah. Okay. So yep. so I wanted to go and help kind of impact third world econo- economies, more or less. 
And, um, and so in that I thought, great, I'm going to get this degree and then head on out. And, uh, one thing led to the next and I met my wife at our church and we were just kind of praying and talking through things. We weren't married at the time, but just kind of thinking, what's the next step? Once I graduate, what do things look like from there? And that's when I started realizing I'm going to have a whole ton of debt once I get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it's your wife's fault. Not that it's her fault, but I kind of need to be responsible in this regard. And we were just, we were a part of a great church and still are. And just thought, I just didn't feel peace leaving just yet to go do the mission field. So kind of changing all that, I thought, well, if I'm going to stay in this area, let's get a job and try and pay off my student loans, which still the whole mindset for that was I'm going to get a job, work for a couple of years, pay all that off. Then we're going to go do the mission thing, which as we just said, 14 years later, Mm -hmm. I'm still here type of a thing. And so because of all of that, I was just starting to apply everywhere, anywhere and everywhere that I could to just get a job. And I wanted to work locally. I didn't want to commute. So I thought, let's go Kenosha Racine at the furthest Milwaukee. And I remember CCB showed up in my inbox one day for an interview that they were doing at Carthage. So I went and did the initial interview with, he's no longer here, but Jeremy Anders, which was was great. Loved working with Jeremy while he was here with us. And then I got into a second interview and did that second interview with Patrick and Chris and, and got the job and kind of started here. But it's funny how I, I got to that place because had absolutely no intention of working in corporate America mm-hmm. or even staying there once I knew I was going to be in it for a little bit. Um, here's how different Logan and I are. Um, when I was in college the first time, I had to, I had to go two tries. Um, I was a communication studies major because it was the most bland thing. So I had like <laughs> zero intention behind my initial degree. But then following your progression, um, you end up getting the job. And before we jump to the next question here, uh, tell the quick, tell the story real quick about the cell phone. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm amazed that Patrick still kept me on after that, but I was, I was a young college kid and I was, and still am not great. My wife has worked wonders on me, but I'm still not great at communicating or just in any type of form apart from just being right in front of you type of thing. So I remember after I got the job, I just checked out. <laughs> Basically, I graduated and I thought, I'm going to take these next three weeks and just enjoy it. I was potentially going to go do a short-term trip to Haiti to just kind sure. of start to prep some things because um, I wasn't going right away, but just to start to set the groundwork. And I remember Patrick had reached out maybe like a week or so after I graduated and probably maybe at this point now two or three weeks before I was starting and was like, hey, Logan, really excited that you're you know, you're know about to come on. He's leaving me this message. Just give me a call back when you can. I, I didn't call him back. I totally got the message. Didn't call him back. He calls like a week after that. And he's like, hey, I can start to sense there's a little more nervousness now. In his yeah, voice. like, hey, uh, didn't hear back from you. I'm sure you're really busy. Just, you know, kind of want to connect to make sure we're all set and stuff. Still didn't call him back. So we're maybe like two or three days out. And he leaves me another message at this point in time. And I can tell it's full-blown panic. Like, are you coming or not, more or less? And he was really nice about it in the message, but I could tell was needing an answer. So it was at that point I gave him a call back, kind of filled in what was going on, told yeah. him I had been out of pocket, yeah. and that I'm a terrible at this, which made him feel really great to, hey, I'm hiring you for a sales role. You're really great at building relationships. Good job here. It builds a lot of faith. So that's the cell phone story where Patrick's first impression of me was what has rung true for the last 14 years. I can't get a hold of Logan, basically. Yeah, basically, but now uh, the moral of that story is, and at least for me, is encouragement for those of us that are listening in or those, those of you that are listening in that aren't in a vice president role. You're like, I don't know if I got what it takes. I'm telling you, 
The guy sitting across from me is a stud, but he didn't answer when the president of the company called. Yeah. Everybody can learn and grow and oh, yeah. and develop and still not be perfect at communication. So I love that story. Uh, Patrick tells that story often as in, in between bragging about. The uh, other one he tells about. a lot. Has, has he told you the one about where I ignored his phone call and he saw me ignore it? No, I don't think so. So it was like eight I o'clock. love how this interview is oh, going. Oh, so good. Yeah, you're getting all the dirt now. So I had maybe been a year or two into the VP of sales role, and I was putting in a lot of hours. Just I wanted to do well. So I was at the office because we hadn't been using anything from a cloud-based tech. We, we were still VPN. Still, We just wanted to work in the office, basically, if we wanted to work quickly. So I was in the office at like 8 p.m., just thinking, okay, I want to get home. I want to get this stuff done. And I didn't know, you know, our building here. Yeah. So Patrick's on this side. I'm, I'm in the other side. And so I didn't know he was here. So I'm working at 8 p.m. and I'm just about to like wrap up, but I've got a few things to finish up and I see someone calling and I look over and it's him and I'm like, okay, I'll give him a call back. Yeah. But then what I see, he starts honking his horn because I, I silence my phone. Mm-hmm. Immediately he just starts honking it. And I see outside, he was calling me to see if I would pick up or not. <laughs> but he and, could see through the window. But he could but see through the window. So he literally saw the whole thing of, oh, there's the phone. Nope. And just got right back to work. <laughs> so he brings it up all the time of like, that's how Logan is and everything, which is not the He truth. left out the details that you were trying to keep the lights on. I was trying to keep Liter- working. Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively, you were trying to keep the lights on at CCB. But it's still a funny story that yeah. you ignored him twice yeah. and still got promoted a bunch of times. Um, and actually, that leads that does lead into the next question, un- unplanned transition there. But I'd love to you know quick overview of all the different roles that you've had at CCB because you've been in a bunch of different positions here. Yeah. So I started off as an account manager, just basically doing sales. And I did that for about three or four years. And then in 2011, I got promoted uh, to the vice president of sales, which was a a huge jump for me because, I mean, I had been in leadership roles in college. I had done a little bit here or there, but I had never actually been in a leadership role from a corporate side. So being at that point in time, 25 years old, and now being thrust into this relatively significant position with minimal training and understanding and just being young overall was a, a, for me, was both frightening and exciting at the same time. I loved the challenge. I loved the opportunity, but also saw I have a ton of areas to grow in that regard. So I was the VP of sales for about four or five years in that role as well. And then up until that point, about 2015, uh, middle of 2015, roughly, I moved over into the role that I'm in now, which is the vice president of services, which is the role that I oversee that I was mentioning earlier Yeah, from a technical side. And so t- talk a bit about, because um, again, I don't want to assume people understand like how, how we're structured and stuff like that. Um, the transition from VP of sales to VP of services without those assumptions of, of our company and the differences in the, in the roles. And you're doing a good job of explaining the two different things, but you know, get into it about describing some of the differences between sales and services departments and then the importance of each. The first thing I, I often thought about that was at the end of the day, people are people. So there are, there are differences. There definitely are. But at the end of the day, if you're able to lead people well from one side of the house, even though their priorities and motivations might be different, oftentimes that can translate over. But when we do kind of start to look at some of the differences, for me, what it kind of came down to when I saw being in both departments now is they're all motivated and oftentimes by very similar things, but it's the priority with which they're motivated. So an example for that that I often can mean is for a lot of people on the sales side, it's it's often that they love to compete and they love to win. They love those incentives. They they love to earn that type of, even just from a financial perspective, right? Like they're very motivated by that. And I can be motivated by that. 
on the technical side, it's not that they're not motivated by those things. But if you were to kind of survey, you know, ranking one to five, what's going to be the thing that's going to motivate you the most? Those oftentimes aren't going to be in the top, the top two or three. Okay. They'll still be in there, yeah. but they're not going to be their primary thrust of why they're doing it. So, for example, on a technical side, if you were to ask someone like, what motivates you and why do you dive into this? When I think of someone who will just spend hours on the same problem, it's because they're motivated to find a solution. They love taking a problem, dissecting it, and finding a solution. And part of that kind of then is coupled with they love to learn. Most people on a really heavy technical side, which again can be true on sales, it's just not often the main thrust for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the engineering side, I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, that's one or two. I just have a thirst to learn. I love to learn. I love this industry. I love learning everything new. I, like they spend their free time reading tech articles and working on their home dev environments to try and break stuff and figure out if I were to break this, what happens in this case and how do I put it back together? Mm-hmm. Because they just have a love of learning that type of thing. So in the sense of the differences between those two, so much of it has come down to, for me, figuring out in that sense what motivates them and the priority of those motivations. Like what's their greatest motivators, maybe I guess to more of a secondary Mm -hmm. or tertiary motivator type of a thing. But from the overall side, just I guess we're speaking about the company, sales obviously is absolutely critical for us for building those relationships with our clients, bringing that in, and then us helping deliver those solutions on the back end, Mm -hmm. obviously, right, from both a project-based side and then an ongoing managed side as well. You said people are people. And I totally agree. And you've really done a really good job of articulating some of the differences and motivating factors. So if we put um, sales equals competition, money, that kind of thing, and services department equals thirst for learning, breaking stuff, fixing stuff, diving into it, you're the same person that led both those departments with those two different personalities, if we look at it that way. What did you do to connect with both groups of people? I think that so much of that has come down to trying to understand what motivates them and then just doing that thing. I mean, and I know that sounds like, well, duh, that's so simple type of a thing. But in my sense, when I think about it from a sales side, so many times when I was trying to motivate somebody, it came down to speaking to what their, in a quote unquote, love language was in that regard. Because even as you know, within our sales team, they're motivated by different things. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So I think, yes, saying, okay, you're, you're one person and you're doing both. It was just kind of recognizing. And for me, that recognition came really quickly when I moved over to the services team of, okay, wow, they're different, mm-hmm. really similar. This motivation's still here, but this other motivation that's never really been on the sales side is way stronger on the services side type of a thing. So for me, it was just identifying what that was and then doing whatever I could to help fan that into flame really yeah. so if it was for someone like on my technical side i can say if they had a thirst for learning i'd say hey if we if we can get this project knocked out really quickly let's talk about what we can do to get you that certification training that you wanted right because mm-hmm. you're going to have the time to do it mm-hmm. same thing on the sales side like they're motivated to earn they're motivated to win hey if you close that deal let's talk about what additional incentives we can throw into it from a, a monetary side of the house right so it, it sounds so simple in that sense, but for me, it was just trying to identify what they cared about. That's good. Uh, before we get into I do have uh, several questions about what the what moving departments was like for you yeah, yeah. and things that you saw along the way. I, I want people to know a little bit more of the, the backstory of why this took place. So what led to you being tapped on the shoulder by the president, uh, Patrick, for this role? What was what was going on at that time? Yeah, so it had been it'd been a pretty 
uh, interesting start to, to what we had had. And probably to give a, a step back, so we we had functioned as a what in the industry is called a value-added reseller, which just meant we more or less provided hardware and software to our clients, right? Mm-hmm. We've worked with over 40,000 unique clients across the nation. For the first 20 or so years of that, we were just providing them the hardware and software. So we were reselling it. In 2011, we made a big change to where we then started our services team, right? Mm-hmm. Which was initially headed up by an individual who is no longer here, which is why I'm here. But so we had a lot of success early on in that department. And then we, from that point on, probably really about 2014 to 2015, we went through a slew of leaders on the services team. Um, and what that left more or less was a gaping hole in the services team where we had grown, we had seen success in different types of ways, but we had grown so quickly and hadn't built a strong foundation that now what we were starting to see were all the cracks. What we were starting to see were, okay, we're not delivering this project in a timely manner. We haven't gotten back to this client for two months. I mean, two months. We totally dropped the ball on this incident that happened for this client. We needed to get sales of this scope of work to provide to see if we could do this project for this client. They've been waiting for three weeks. So it was those types of things Mm -hmm. where we had grown, there had been success, but we had kind of in that short period of time gone through such transition and change that we were now starting to see because we hadn't built well, we didn't have any supporting structures around it to help keep the department going forward because there was no one there to help lead it then in that sense. So what we had gotten to in the summer of 2015 was um, we at that point in time had no actual VP in the department, though we had had one prior and pretty much had had one since we started the division back in 2011. And so we had a big hole there that Patrick was trying to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, so Patrick being the president at that point in time as well was like, well, I'm going to just try and step in and see what I can help to manage this and facilitate this until we can find a replacement type of a thing. And I know at that point, Patrick just saw like, this isn't my cup of tea. This is a different way of managing. I don't necessarily, um, I don't fit the necessary yeah. role yeah. to be able to manage these guys and, and gals in the way that I need to. And so what came about at that point was him coming to, we had a meeting in here. I actually remember it was a VP meeting. I think it was before you had come in as a VP. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was just Patrick, Mel, Stacy, and I. And we were talking about this challenge of there were all these things that we needed the president to focus on because we were trying to drive that and move that forward. But the president, again, being Patrick, couldn't because he was so focused on managing services. And so we had a discussion of what do we do? And I I remember bringing up to him saying, well, what if I went over there? What if I went over there and actually tried to manage this team for a little bit? And he said, well, what what would we do for sales? Then I said, well, you've managed sales. Mm -hmm. You do a great job managing sales. So that might make the most sense. In this period of time, how about I take a stab at this and let's see what this looks like. And how about you try and manage sales then for this period of time? Because you you know that more. Like at least that invigorates you, that excites you, that's right. your thing. Right. right. Like you'll you're you're good within that sense. And he was like, Well, let's let's take a stab at it and try. And then we joked the fact of like no VP and services had stayed for two years, so this was practically my death sentence. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> well, I was, I was gonna ask I was, I was gonna was, be out in a couple of years. I so. was gonna ask you I didn't have it written down, but I was gonna ask to either confirm or deny if if that story because he has told that story as well. Of yeah. Like, that eh, should be fine. Yeah, no, it was, it was totally true. I mean, I fully expected of this is either going to work or I'm probably not going to be here anymore Yeah, in that kind of sense. Like it's either going to go really well or it's it's not going to go really well. So what, would he, what do you think it was that he was looking for? And that might seem like a um, kind of a duh question as well. But what is do you think that Patrick was looking for insight for somebody to fix it? Um, like what? what 
is there anything anything there that he was looking for you to do? I think the biggest thing that Patrick was trying to gain from that point in time and why he was willing to kind of take that on, because on paper, it, it in many ways didn't make sense. I, I didn't have the technical background in training. I hadn't, I had never managed anyone from an engineering side. I had from a sales side. So I've, I've managed people, but not the specific type of thing. So could I speak their language? Could I earn their trust type of a thing? But what Patrick had seen from people being in those roles previously was we had, we had brought people in from the outside they had a lot of those things that we could say checked the boxes, um, but they weren't necessarily people that carried our culture. And I think for Patrick, one of the biggest things he at least knew he was going to get from me is this is a person that I trust and this is a person who I know is going to represent the culture of CCB. Because what Patrick had seen was there there was a divide between the rest of the company and the services team, both just from a cultural perspective, which I think was only furthered because they're literally in different buildings. Yeah. So many of the guys that and gals that came on for services, they didn't really interact with the rest of the company to really get a good sense of what our culture was. So it's in its sense, its own culture, its own microcosm. And for Patrick, that was a big challenge of who, who I am and what I've built as an organization is so paramount to every facet of every department that we have That's here. That's good. So... I don't want it to just exist here at where we work in Carlisle, where mm-hmm. most of the, the employees are. It needs to be in services as well. So I think for him, he was willing to take the risk because the one thing he knew he could bank on was, I trust this guy. Yeah. And I know he's going to carry the culture that mm-hmm. he's he's basically been a part of himself for the last, at that point in time, what was it, five or six years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're hitting on this thing about uh, the weight of the change um, the weight that was on this position. Uh, so draw that out a little bit. Describe what was at stake in this move. Like when you look back, is there some clarity on like, oh man, you know, joking aside, there was a lot at stake here. And if so, what was it? What was at stake with this move? Yeah. I mean, I would say in many ways, the health and future of the company was mm-hmm. at stake because we had made some major investments into services, both internally from a financial perspective into what we were doing and to how we were trying to go to market and target things. We were in many ways, you can say, just putting all of our eggs in this basket of this is where we believe our success is going to be. And the major concern and what in many ways kind of precipitated me going over there was 2015 had been a rough year for us up until about that point of July, August timeframe. Like our sales weren't doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, Our services team was floundering in in that way. There was a lot of discord and and as we've already talked about, just our inability to deliver our services and do what we say we were going to do, right? So because of that, we were losing clients. Mm -hmm. If you don't have trust with your clients, there's no point for them to stay with you. So for us, what was at stake was because we had put everything into this, it was starting to get to be the point of, do we just need to call it a day for services and try and go back and be just a value-added reseller and that's all we are? Or do we continue to press on with this and try and figure this out? And in the midst of that, if we don't make the right decision, is this potentially going to put us in such a financial hole that we're not going to be able to dig ourselves out of it? Mm -hmm. Was the nuts and bolts of behind the stakes of what we were having to try and figure out with it or what was at play with all of it? When you look back, did you... Did you have moments where you realized that much was at stake or is it more clear now looking back? So I would say I I knew I knew at that point what was at stake Okay. Um, because Patrick has been great, uh, especially in our VP meetings of always being an open book. So he was really transparent on where we were at with P&L and where our cash flow was Mm -hmm. and what things were looking like. And we were um, especially from the services side. I mean, we were bleeding bad. And so. 
So I, I think I knew what was at stake. I think you always look back on it and think, man, if we didn't, if we didn't do X, Y, and Z, like, would we still be here? Right. Would this thing still be happening? Would CCB be here, but not services type of a thing, which is just a weird thought now being mm-hmm. that services is 10 years old, practically. Yeah. It's a weird thing to think of it not being a part of the company. Right. And the transition itself. Um, I know I mess with you a lot being colleagues and joke. We joke a lot. We, we, we like having fun, but I'd love to hear about the transition itself. What was it like? How did people in services receive you? Um, cause I know that you can handle a lot just because of personality. Sure. Um, but what, what was that like? If you knew going into it that this could break your time at CCB, literally not work here anymore. Mm. And you knew the trajectory and the investment that your colleague, boss slash friend had put in. What was that transition like? Something about me is it's, it's kind of that uh, sick, dark side of like, I just love it when it can get dark and grim and like there's there's only one option. Like it is do or die. one type of a thing. Like I do. I love that. Um, I love that type of challenge. So I think for me, I was excited, just like the whole thing of moving into VP of sales where mm-hmm. I didn't know in any way, shape or form what I was doing. I'm, I'm both frightened and excited. It was the same thing with the services role. It's like, I'm excited about what we can do here. And if, if this works, how awesome this is going to be. And also frightened of like, ah, I don't want to fail, mm-hmm. but at least I tried. Right. Yeah. And so. But it drove you. It drove the, me. The potential for failure drove you versus scaring you. It did. Yep. Okay. Always does. And so. I mean, when I got into the department, I, I remember very clearly the first day I came over there and Patrick made the announcement. He pulled the whole team together and just said, hey, this is where things are. This is what we're going to be doing. I'm putting Logan over here. And at the time, it was like it, he did say, he's like, this is just an interim thing. This isn't necessarily going to hmm. be like a, a permanent. We're feeling this out if this works or not type of a thing. But he just kind of gave some expectations of what he was thinking. And then he, he turned the floor over to me to, to more or less give my my opening speech, right? My inauguration speech of like, hey, I'm in this department. What do I expect now? And and I do remember looking out on everyone and, and I just felt skepticism. I felt this sure. sense of who is this guy? This is a guy from the sales department, right? right? How is he yeah. going to lead us? How is he going to know? And, and I felt that myself coming into it of I'm not going to come in and try and fake this here because there's no point. So for me, and, and as you know, like as one of our core values, humility. So yes. I came in and was open and upfront. I said, I am not going to come in here and try and tell you how to do your job. I'm not going to come in here and try and say that what you're doing is wrong or that I'm going to come in and say, I know what to do from a technical side. I want to come in here and I want to learn. But what I want to do is I want to help us achieve what I know we all want to actually be a part of. Like we don't want to be a part of a losing team. We want to be a part of a team that's moving things forward and is doing something that matters. Because as you know, like we work with clients that do really incredible things, yes. that work with kids with special needs, that deliver food in third world countries when there's been a massive earthquake. Like That's who we get to support from an IT side. So we're not just pushing numbers here to help someone make an extra buck. Oftentimes we're dealing with life or death matters in some cases, right? Because we also help a number of healthcare organizations. So if they can't get their data off their x-ray and their clinics and they can't run the way they need to, like they can't provide the healthcare that they that they mm-hmm. need to for their, mm-hmm. their patients. And so for us, it was that thing of casting that vision of, guys, I know what you do matters. I know it's hard right now and I know it's clunky. I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to make the investment to spend time with you to figure it out. And I remember talking to them, and I know, I know this has been Patrick's big thing for a while as well, of talking about, so this is what we're going to do. 
here's the vision and strategy of what yeah. we're going to do from a people and a tools and a processes side of the house. That's good. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about the conversations between you and Patrick uh, during this time. You know, he's, I, I, I touched on it, but he's your boss, the president of the company at the time. At that time, he, he didn't own the company, but now he does. Um, but it also bleeds into a friendship, mentorship type relationship that you guys have. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about, pull the curtain back a little bit on what those conversations were like. Um, Cause you're feeling the pressure. He's feeling the pressure, but he also has to hold you accountable, but he also doesn't want to potentially break the guy that's doing the thing in the most important department at the time they're building this thing up. So what, what, yeah, what were those conversations like? Man, they were, they were all over the place. Of what it just came to, of what we but they were short. I bet like thirty second conversation. Oh, I mean you know Patrick, right? So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we love Patrick. He he pays our bills. He does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean they they were good conversations, and I think for both of us, we look back on them and and would say they were defining moments for us because okay because when there when there are there is so much tension and stress, there were some rough convos that both he and I would look back and say like those were rough, and for no other reason than. You're both stressed. You're both trying to work through this together. Yeah. You're both trying to figure it out. And your best isn't always being put forward, right, on both fronts. And so there were times where we just had rough combos. Um, but the thing that I've always appreciated about Patrick is he's always going to tell you the honest truth. Yeah. And he's he's going to stick with you if he sees that you're willing to stick with him in it. And I was. I was like, I'm, I'm not trying to pretend that I've got it all together, that we know what we're doing. I'm not going to make excuses when we don't hit the mark on things. And and he challenged me on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that for me I received it well and vice versa. When I challenged him on things back, he received that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those moments it was still tough, difficult. That didn't mean they were easy conversations. Right. I think both he and I have, especially over the last couple of years, really learned what healthy conflict looks like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And that it, it is a really good thing. And I think some of those conversations kind of, even though we didn't understand what that looked like fully, that's what kind of set the trajectory for us in a lot of ways. Because in, in many cases, it could have gone the complete opposite direction. And I said, you know what? I just don't think that I'm the right fit. This doesn't make sense anymore. I'm out. Or mm-hmm. Patrick could have said the same thing like, hey, I just don't think this is the right fit for you type of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm out type of a thing. So, yeah, those were what a lot of those conversations were, which was a lot of, I think, for him too, having to figure out how to navigate in those moments how to coach and train me. Sure. Because I was in a role that he had he had done a little bit but not done a ton of. And so I, I appreciate the insight and guidance that he gave in that time um, because I think that what Patrick knows about me and my strengths also then helps him to understand what my weaknesses are. Yeah. And so he really focused on those weaknesses. That That's where when I was talking about managing people is, is in many cases the same no matter what department you're in mm-hmm. because people at the end of the day are going to need to be cared for and loved and led in a certain kind of way, regardless of who they are and what makes them tick at times. And so he did a great job of helping continue to foster that in me. So maybe not as much from the technical side or working through the T's and the C's of how we do things, but the foundation that had to be laid for the department to continue to build together, he was instrumental in helping, helping build. So most people listening in probably won't be able to picture the personality of you and the personality of Patrick. So how do you describe the differences between your personality and Patrick's personality? And I'm asking this for a specific reason, not just because I think it's interesting, but there's something about the differences in the two of you Mm -hmm. coming together in, in the heat of 
a pivotal moment or moments, multiple, uh, for a department and for the health of a company, but you guys are very different. So if I could describe myself, it would be just that analytical, taskmaster, competitive-oriented type person who is not relationship-focused or driven at all, mm-hmm. really. I, I, I get relationships, and I, I understand the importance of them, but like that is just not, for myself, what makes me tick. Yeah. That's the honest black and white truth. Um, Patrick is, he's an eye on the DISCs um, profile, right? So very heavy relationally focused, very heavy on the communication side, very passionate, emotive in how he talks about things and all of that. And, and I'm none of those things in many ways, right? I think for us, you couldn't say that we're, we're more different in so many different areas. But I think for us, what makes it work is that we recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses. And we're willing to, in that sense, submit to one another based on what we're trying to work through at that point in time and whose strengths is what, right? I mean, still, no matter what, Patrick is the CEO. I'm going to defer to him. But I know he will heavily lean on my side of the house when we're talking about something analytical, mm-hmm. whether it's financial or whatever it might be, just because that's I love that. That's what, I, that, that's yeah. what makes me tick in, in so many ways. So I think that that mutual trust and respect is what makes it work. Because when he comes to me and he's – and he's been doing this a lot this year, which has been great of saying, I really want you to grow in this. And I see that this is a weakness. And I'm like, you're right. It is. So it's it's me again. It's that aspect of humility, recognizing that and receiving that and vice versa, which I think has made it work. It's so good. Um, the couple words that came to mind, you said two of them, trust, humility, but then also mission. You guys had a, a mission that needed to be accomplished. And so you you each were were filling these different roles, and um, you do not have to be the same person. It's probably better if the person that you're going to battle with is different than you, because they're going to see things differently than you. Uh, so now I need you to close the story loop for people, because we've talked about this so much. Um, I want people to know. So how has it ended up? It's been several years. Uh, where are things now with you and the services team? If you want to just know metrics, right? Yeah, you know, throw it me, out you know there. I love metrics. Yes. So we're we're within the top 150 largest MSPs in the nation, which is an awesome thing. We've earned that recognition over the last four or five years now, which it's is huge. Awesome. That is. I mean, huge. we've we've grown by double digits every single year, um, and high double digits every single year for the last three or four years as well. Um, our satisfaction scores are still, we you know we score them out of a five, and they are 4.92 to 4.96, you know, on a monthly basis. So we've got really high SAT scores. But the biggest thing, and I don't think you can put a metric around this, is we, we just have a great team. Mm-hmm. We have a team that you can tell, and it's not that we don't have bumps, it's not that we don't have issues and have hard discussions, but we have a team that's for each other, that trusts each other, that's willing to work hard to put in the effort. Um, I mean, I've, I've had some great, great times with this team, and I think that they would say the same. And so I think for me, that's one of the biggest things that when you say, well, how's it ended up? Well, we're still here, and that's we're great. enjoying what we do. That's, that's worth it. That's so good. So. Um, you didn't just show up capable of this transition, of taking this transition on. Uh, there was preparation done before the need was there. Like You, you learned a ton through the motion of going through the transition, but there were things about you that that were prepared beforehand. So that leads me to ask who or what has impacted your development as a leader the most, you know, so far? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I would have to start with, it's been my marriage first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, my wife, Sid has just been a phenomenal, she's been a phenomenal person. 
to be married to because she speaks truth and love. So when I say even beyond from talking about a leader, but just the development as a human and as a Christian, like she has just been so great. Um, speaking specifically on leadership, I've had certain guys in, in my church who have just been fantastic, mm-hmm. but really I would have to give as much as I don't want to credit. <laughs> I had to throw that in yeah. credit to Patrick. Yeah. He is and it's, it's the one thing when people talk about leadership, like Patrick was very intentional in each of these steps where I kind of took a step forward to invest into me. So like that first year VP of sales, he was really involved. Part of it was because I think he's like, I don't know if this kid's going to blow it up sure, or not. Sure, yeah. But, yeah. I, but he, he poured into me. Right. Um, and a lot of people think like, what does that pouring in looks mm-hmm. like? Yeah, like, define what, that what a little bit. What does that actually yeah. mean? Honestly, for him, it was he just spent time with me. He spent dedicated, intentional time, and we would talk through things, but it was that time that allowed for those organic conversations that honestly probably never would have come up had he not made that investment of time. And he did the same thing on the VP of Services side. It was different because we were in different buildings, different. it was a different role in a sense, but nonetheless, like he was still intentional within all of that. So I'd have to give him... Uh, some credit as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he does say, and this is this is a direct quote, that um, on the personality side, that I'm the love child <laughs> of does. the two of you. Um, and I, I mentioned that to to balance throughout the conversation of how much, because it wasn't intended, uh, it wasn't scripted to talk about Patrick as much as he has been spoken about, but it says something about the place that we work and the results that you have seen. It says a lot of things about his leadership about your leadership, about the two of you leaning into the differences in the two of you mm. for something bigger than the two of you, mm. um, to create a team, to create uh, profit margins, to create uh, statistics, statistics that that matter about um, satisfaction scores and things like that. But he, he still has one hand on the health of the business and the other hand firmly grasping uh, humor. So that's why I throw that in there about the love child. Uh, you know, Logan, I, I'm, I am so grateful for you and I won't gush over you now, but probably will in the outro or the intro of this episode. I'm so grateful for you, ma'am. Um, uh, loved reporting to you, uh, you know, in the, in the sales department, um, saw a lot of things about how you did and have replicated a lot of things that you did when you were in leadership over the sales team before I took over. How do you want to close this episode out? What do you want to leave, you know, people with when you, uh, posited this question to me. I thought about it for a long time because I thought when I look back at everything that we've talked about today and when I think then about just my time overall at CCB and honestly just my life, it, it is in so many ways rooted in my faith and the belief that I had all of these expectations of what life was. And then when it wasn't panning out the way I expected, in those moments questioning like, is this right? Is this good? But just coming through now and seeing the protection, providence and direction of for myself of God. And so in so much of this, it's like, I had no intention to be here. I totally was bummed when I thought, okay, is this is this my life? Is this where I'm at? I'm not going to be a missionary. And now actually seeing, God, this is actually where you've called me. This is where I want to be. I love this. This is actually what you had intended all along. I just didn't see it, right? And so actually in that same vein, same thing with the VP of services. I had no, I studied nothing from a technical or programming side or anything to do with computers beyond typing my papers and searching the internet when I had to for college. That was what I knew about computers before coming to CCB. And so then selling them and now having to then actually truly get onto the technical side of it was something I never anticipated and thinking, is this right? Is this what I want to do? Is this what God has? And I just think for me, if I'm wanting to leave 
anybody that's listening to this, so thanks, Mom, for staying on and still listening. <laughs> would be and that, Patrick. And listening. Patrick, yeah, he, you know he's listening. Is that aspect of like when things don't go your way, don't just look at it as like, ah, it's just it's a miss. It's something I'm going to have to endure. But actually so often what I've seen in my life to hopefully give you hope is that it's actually what it was supposed to be all along. And as long as you take it for what it is in that moment in that ride and stick with it long enough to persevere, you're going to see the benefits of that, right? So that's what I want to leave people with. That's good, man. Well, this has been a valuable conversation. I've learned a bunch. Um, So thank you for the time. Glad to be with you, buddy. Takeaway and action item. I've got one takeaway and two action items. So first of all, the takeaway. Not everyone has what it takes to do what Logan has done. (laughs) And I don't say that lightly. He might be special. Action items. Discover what motivates your people. The things that make them tick. You heard what Logan said. Between salespeople and services people, the common thread. If you need to go back and listen to that again, I encourage you to do so. Because while Logan might be special in what he can uh, handle from a pressure standpoint, that reality is real no matter what industry you're in or what your personality is. So discover what motivates your people, the things that make them tick. That's number one. Number two, help your people align their motivations and giftings with your organization's desired state. And I encourage you, do the same thing for you. If you're not into numbers, but you love inspiring people, get a numbers person and put yourself with people. If you found value in what you've heard, I encourage you to give us a written review in whatever platform you're using right now and make a suggestion on what topics you'd like covered in future episodes. We love the engagement. And the fact is, is that you're the reason that we do this at all. We have dozens of other conversations that will aid in your growth as a leader. Click subscribe in whatever platform you're using and you'll have access to all the episodes just like magic. I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from all of us at CCB Technology, thanks for listening.